And welcome back to Fully Equipped. It's just Jay Wall and Gene. That's it. Beers. Gene's pad. Which, by the way, Gene moved. And I didn't realize this. Gene, good to see you. First, before we get into this. Jay Wall, always a pleasure. Been a few weeks, but back to the story that matters. So, Gene told me that we we could film, record, whatever at his place for the pod this week. RB played golf at La Costa. Couldn't make it. No big deal. So we, we walk in, and at least the initial like setup of the of your pad seemed very familiar. Yep. Now turn around the corner, and this like legitimately might be the nicest view I've ever seen. <laughs> it's is this like this is the bay right here? So we're on the twenty fourth floor. We're looking out over the San Diego Bay. The Star of India is to our right. A cruise ship is right in front of us. No joke, there's a $200 million yacht about 100 yards long parked right off of the bay. He's not exaggerating. No, I'm not exaggerating. It's been there for about two weeks. It is, uh, it's never boring. It's, it, you know, it's amazing. I love the ocean and I love to look out on the ocean, but the ocean at night, it's just darkness. This, there's always something going on. And yeah. it's, it's, and I mean, between aircraft carriers, the seals flying out on boats, uh, you know, giant cargo ships coming through. It's, it's always fun. And I've got my periscope that was used on the Berlin wall to look what? over. Did I ever tell you that story? No. So I, I, we so should be videoing this. I have a periscope that it's a Carl Zeiss periscope. It was used on the Berlin Wall by the <laughs> by the West German military. Oh, and my. it looks like that. I just thought it was like designed to look, you know, no, old it is. And it is vintage. actually it is actually a German piece of military hardware from the Cold War, and it was designed so that they didn't get their head shot off and that they could look over the wall into East Berlin, oh, and uh, it works great for looking out over the bay, but it also resembles that uh remember that alien in the bugs bunny cartoons oh, yeah. <laughs> it's got a little bit to say at, at night that thing probably comes to life yeah so anyway so yeah i can look out and see all the uh all the interesting things anyway going it, on. it is a phenomenal view as we mentioned it's been a couple weeks since we've seen you yeah i've been busy been i've playing been playing a little bit of golf too i've been playing golf so foresight sports home of my launch monitor that I use on a daily basis, they invited me up to Pebble for a three-day event called the Legends Invitational. And it's a fundraiser for the Navy SEALs Museum in Florida. And they bring Navy SEALs. We had two Medal of Honor winners. We had guys from SEAL Team 6. And then they bring in all these uh, NFL legends. And each foursome gets an NFL legend. We just happened to get a uh, Hall of Fame running back, two-time Super Bowl champion, Marshall Falk. One of who, my favorite players. Who is a golf sicko. I mean, a golf sicko. He plays to a five. And Did you look in his bag? Yes, I did. Yes, so I did. so give give us a so rundown he, on the setup. So he's playing a, he's playing the he's playing mostly tailormates uh, in his irons in his fairway woods. I don't remember what his hybrid was, and he's playing a Cameron putter. He's he's a gear junkie. It was wild. So we're staying at the Inn of Spanish Bay. So we play golf. We go out to dinner, and then afterwards we go get drinks. And it's so funny because I'd go up to him, and and he got along when he found out what I did. And I realized the life of a 
superstar athlete, even retired like that. Everybody wants to take selfies with him. Everybody wants to tell him about the greatest moment of some Aztec game that he played. All he wants to do is talk golf. And, and so he was polite and nice, took the pictures and everything. But he told me a couple of fascinating stories. He said golf made him a better NFL player. And he said the reason was it allowed him to concentrate more, and he learned that. And then um, it also allowed him not to fixate on his mistakes, like a drop pass or a fumble. Because he's fixating on his mistakes on the golf course. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, and he learned. But here's the fascinating part, his origin story. So his origin story is 23 years old, never picked up a club, goes to an Eric Dickerson charity event. And this is a classic athlete story. Tommy Armour III challenges him that he can't get a seven iron in the air. He couldn't, got pissed, went back to Indianapolis, got a coach who was like, must have been an ex-football coach because this guy was so militant. He said, you will train with me every day. You will not go to anywhere else. You will not hit balls on a range. You will not go to a golf course. He had this whole uh, setup. After three months, they went on a golf course for the first time. The, the coach kept score. He shot a 91 his first round out. Of course he did. I mean, he's, 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 he's a flat-ass athlete. There's, I mean, I'll no, say, no. there's something about athlete, guys that are just like flat-out athletes. Mm-hmm. I remember that story sounds very familiar. We had, um, we had Ray Allen on the podcast. Right. Tim Briand is, is, was close yeah. with him. Tim, Tim's yeah. good buddies with, with Ray. Yeah. And oh, I played with Tim. Tim was in my foursome as well. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, giving man. me nothing but shit about my square shoes. I was just about to say he's he was just gonna <laughs> roast you the whole time. Anyway. Oh, you yeah. knew it was coming. Yeah, Marshall. After about five holes, he goes, "Gene, what did you do to this guy, Tim?" <laughs> Said I buy him alcohol, and that's what I get for it. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, yeah, that's no good deed goes unpunished. Mm, true. But yeah, Ray talked about when he was at UConn, there was like a you know a bunch of guys, and Ray was good at like a lot of flat-out athletes, good at every sport, except he'd never picked up a golf club before and went out and, and tried to play and got so frustrated. And they pretty much told him, like, you're, you're great at what you do, but you're not going to be a good golfer. And that, like, lit a fire under him. And next thing you know, he's basically a single-digit handicap in a couple of years, and he was just so fixated on the craft. Again, right. like – He's so fixated on having a perfect jump shot yeah. and, and yeah. wanting to perfect that yeah. and get it as close to whatever perfect is on a basketball court. He wants the same thing in golf. And I think he was saying he's like his low round is like 63 or 64. And Jeez. I mean, he's just he's just an absolute maniac for golf. And it sounds a lot like Marshall. You know, yeah. you get challenged yeah. and these guys don't back down from a challenge. They they want to rise to the occasion and, and prove everybody wrong. So Donnie Edwards, who was a UCLA legend and then a Kansas City chief and charger linebacker, he was there. I was talking to him and he goes, yeah, he goes, I played golf with Marshall a couple of times. He's just too intense though, man. He's too intense. <laughs> one of and those it, guys. And, but I think, you know, and, and what I'm always fascinated about with these guys is not their accolades in their sport. I mean, that's just, that's easy. But how do they transfer that? And, and, and how do they refocus? I think Michael Jordan is a classic example of it. And, and Ray Allen, to your point, and Marshall Falk in that they're type A individuals. And they need to dominate at what they do. They need to excel. And um, uh, he really, really, you could see, like, 
he told me, he said, uh, he won't play in scramble tournaments. He said, and he won't play in the AT&T because it's too slow. Like he's a golfer okay, and he's been that. coming to this for 16 years because it's uh, best ball net and best ball gross out of the five. So, so, you, so you're playing your own ball and he's like, he's like, I need that. He goes, I need, you know, and you could see he was grinding out there and, and I mean, you know, we won and I've got this signed football that's a sick football. Up here. It's a very sick football, but he didn't, he wanted to win, and it was funny. Towards the last four or five holes, we knew we were in contention. He turned full football coach on me. He's like, you're going to make this fucking putt, Gene. You're going to make this putt. <laughs> and he's yelling at me, and I'm like, yes, Marshall, I'm going to make the putt. And then I missed the putt. But <laughs> <laughs> then, he, then he decked you. <laughs> he didn't deck me, but he just yelled at me, and then we went on to the next one. But I'm that's my sporting career. I do better when I, when I get yelled at than anything else. But anyways, it was a great experience. Uh, great cause and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So yeah. uh, renewed my uh, vigor for the game and interest. We all we all need that from time to time. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Why? Uh, so why am I at jeans? <laughs> this is probably the question everybody's wondering. I didn't. I didn't move to San Diego. <laughs> you didn't get kicked did, out. <laughs> you didn't get kicked out. Didn't just come into town for the to do the pod, but. Yeah, so I started the week. This is like every year I have like one week where I just try and jam it all in. And this and is a crazy one because it's kind of off season. Yeah, you know? it's it is. And like thank thank God for RB. You know, he came out early this week to he was out here on Sunday, and from Monday until until as we're recording this a day later than normal, we're recording on a Thursday. You know, he's gonna be out here through Friday. That's a you know full basically six days on the road, and it's just visiting the OEMs, uh, you know. And and we're doing our our player portion of of our club test. We've talked about in the past. We we have writers and editors from like all different handicaps, all different needs, and we're having them test the new gear. And so RB's out here overseeing that, and then I was I started the week at RSM in Sea Island. And then I was planning to just make a quick trip from Jacksonville up to Charlotte, Charlotte over to San Diego, and then spend a day and a half here in San Diego, up in Carlsbad to be specific. But nothing is ever easy. So let's just like kick it off here since we've talked so much about not equipment with equipment. RSM was crazy. It did not feel like previous years. Hmm. The, the vibe I got was very much like a Q school vibe. Hmm. And it's changed a lot because RSM used to be just another event in the wraparound season for the fall portion. Guys were just trying to, you know, earn a few more bucks before the tour shut down for the holidays and you know, make a check, go home. Are there any points associated with it? There are no there are no Okay, so the points you can earn go towards main, retaining your card. So you got to stay in the top 125 to maintain your card. Mm -hmm. But in the past, if you didn't stay in the top 125, uh, a certain band of guys beyond 125 got to go to Corn Ferry. So you got Corn Ferry Tour Finals. I think it was three events. And then you could still retain your card with 25 cards up for grabs. Now, Corn Ferry Tour Finals no longer exists. Hmm. So if you don't get into that top 125 and you don't have status, you automatically go straight to Q School and there are only five cards up for grabs. Wow. wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was my reaction. So everybody was a little bit on edge. Um, typically, it's just me walking up to guys asking to shoot bags and talk about the gear that I see. And there were a few guys where I could tell they were grinding. And mm. I'm like, I'm, I'm leaving them alone. And um, it wasn't me just sitting around twiddling my thumbs all week. While I did have RSM circled well in advance, it ended up being a crazy week for gear. Uh, one that I would have to say, I don't think I recall ever seeing this early in the fall. Typically for new gear launches, we see everything start to come out in January. You know, Century event, which used to be the Tournament of Champions. Now somebody jokingly called it the Tournament for Everyone because it's non-champions as well. But that used to be the event where right. everybody would start to, you know, you'd see the Callaways and the TaylorMades and Titleist start to deploy new gear early in Hawaii. And lo and behold, we got a lot of new drivers, which is always interesting. We had TaylorMade releasing their new QI10 LS, the low spin version. And then you had Cobra releasing the new Dark Speed. You've got, and I'm having to go through my list because I am like running on fumes right G430 now. Max G430 10K. Max 10K. Yep. And then you had the PXG Black Ops, the yep. 0311 Black yep. Ops. Um, there was a lot of drivers and I, a lot of people ask me like, why, why, like, why are there, so I ask you, you did, <laughs> you did. Why, why are there so many drivers coming out? And, and I think like some of them were strategic, I, the, the max 10 K from ping, which is a very interesting design. And I, I can't give too much away, but I will say that I spoke to Cameron champ and Cameron champ was the impetus behind ping, putting this driver on the USGA conforming list so that Cam could play it at RSM. And, you know, Cam Champ, you've, I mean, you've, you've seen this just from working with Bryson. I mean, Cam Champ has been in the top three in driving distance on the PGA Tour since he came out, yep. since he earned his tour card in 2018. Yep. I mean, he's a fast guy. Yep. And with those guys that have that elite level speed, the further you move, and we're talking millimeters here, you move off of the geometric center off the face, those misses are compounded the faster you're swinging. Absolutely. And one of those, you know, one of those characteristics that can change wild swings would be spin rate. Yep. So, you know, Cam even talked about it. High on the toe, no spin. I mean, that's just basically a dead ball. Anything like Healy's gonna like gonna spin up. Low on the face, gonna see high spin too. And he was talking about with this new driver while he was testing it, because he went the week before to, to Scotts or to Phoenix to Pink Headquarters to test, he wasn't seeing anything above twenty eight hundred. Wow. RPS. What, uh, what what kind of shot does he does he play? He's he's definitely more of like your your guy who's going to hit a cut. Okay. Yeah, he hits a low cut, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's got he's got that he's yeah. got that low he's got the low cut down. Yeah. Um, he actually threw it. He found he had an old Ping Rapture two iron that he had in the bag since when he was in college. And then he snapped the hosel on it while trying to, to adjust the lie angle. And he couldn't find another one. And he couldn't find a suitable backup online because he said they were all just beat to shit. And then he happened upon one in a bag when he was looking around before he left for RSM, found it just caked in dust. And so he had it in the bag. But he is, he's a guy who hits those low bullets. He's, you know, he lives in Houston, so you got to be able to, to play the low ball if you live in Texas. I think he's from the West Coast, so or yeah, he he is. Yeah. But yeah, he now he now lives. 
I think probably from when he went to Texas A&M. Yeah. Know? Well, when he first came out and turned pro, Gary McCord told me something really interesting about his swing. He goes, I guarantee you he developed that swing because that's the only way he could find the ball. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the high draw just went off the planet for him. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting shot because um, it's an extreme version of John Rahm's, you know, kind of middle slight cut. Yep. And um, it's it's very controllable, but at the same time, I mean, champs like everybody else, he's looking for a little bit more distance, yep. you know. So for sure, well, I, I think for him, it's not so much distance; it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Once he wants consistency, he wants a driver where if he misses it out of the center, he's not seeing these wild right. misses right. or these wild jumps in in spin rate. He's looking for something that's going to at least keep that in a you know manageable range and i asked him what what's your like what's a good spin rate for you and he said anything 25 to 2800 yeah and that's it that's a good cut speed you know it's funny when i first started working with bryce and he told me something interesting he goes he goes don't believe this you know bs that tour players always hit it in the center he goes tour players hit it all over the face <laughs> they and, do and and they utilize all that technology and you know it's interesting because um, when you hit a ball on the heel on the robot, usually standard driver, um, the ball will start out left and it'll fade right. And it's a function of gear effect and it's a function of the bulge and roll in the CG location. And, um, you know, I've heard through the grapevine that that's Rory's miss because Rory plays the high draw. So when he misses, instead of any snap hook, he wants to miss to the heel side. So worst case, it just ends up going straight or it leaks a little left, not too much. So these guys know the characteristics of these clubs um, and they they do so out of a field perspective. Launch monitors have dramatically helped that because now they can look at impact location and see cause and effect. But it's um, it's interesting how they learn. Okay, here's my window. This is where I want to be. And then when they test clubs, they test them to make sure that they're within yep. that window. Yeah, and for a guy like Champ to be able to have a driver like that, 10k to me, like max 10k. You know, we don't know a lot about this driver. Everything that I, yeah, everything that I know, we may, we, we will soon. <laughs> we may or may not have tested it. <laughs> uh, but and, and by tested, I mean tested it on the robot. But it this is, is a very interesting <laughs> time of year. <laughs> it is, yeah. Gene may or may not have been testing a ton of drivers. I've but, been a busy, uh, busy yeah, boy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> But this driver is fascinating because this this is not just a Cameron Champ problem. This is an every golfer problem. And if you could have a driver, even if you don't swing like Cam Champ, if you could have a driver that has, you know, spin rates where we've talked about it, like some of the best drivers we've seen, like that LTDX from Cobra, where basically anywhere you're hitting it on the face, it was just launching that ball and the carry delta was within about four yards. Yeah. And I mean, that's what you want. You want consistency. So if you could have a driver where you're like, well, man, if I miss it low on the face, I'm not going to have to worry about losing a lot of distance. My yeah. spin rate's going to stay pretty consistent. I think that's, you know, looking into my crystal ball, I would say Max 10K could be a really fascinating driver going into 24, just simply because it could fit so many golfers out there. Well, and the interesting thing about it is, I think 
if I understand, they're gonna they're gonna have it in three different lofts, and by three different lofts, they're gonna give you all different types of spin characteristics and yep. launch characteristics. Yeah. So you may and and once again, we'll have to test, and we'll obviously be releasing this in Q1 of 2024. But uh, you know, some of the higher loft models might generate more spin, which you need for slower swinging players. But if they offer the same forgiveness characteristics as the lower lofted models, that could be really interesting yeah. and really interesting to look at. I, I would say, uh, you know, there were a couple of bright spots in 2023 and the G430 definitely was one of them. And so they're doing well. I mean, Ping's doing really well. If we were going to look at like OEMs that are very happy and healthy right now, mm -hmm. I would say Ping's probably... Yeah. at the top of the list. I, I agree. And so I'm really intrigued to see what this kind of, I don't want to call it a last minute edition, but it kind of feels that way, um, is going to do to the line. And then I'm kind of curious, like, well, how does that, you know, how do you separate that from the max? And we'll look at the data and find sure. that and out. That's, that's and, the fascinating know. part is then you can start to see how it compares yeah, to the other models. They, they the obviously felt that there was a need for a fourth model. Yeah. And and that's that's kind of interesting for them because usually they uh, they've got a pretty solid playbook that they don't like to deviate from. So it'll be interesting to see how yeah. that plays out. Yeah. So in addition to Ping, and that was again Cameron Champ using it, so that's why I dropped on the conforming list. We had Cobra dropping the new Dark Speed. I got to tell you, and this is what I always find to be so fascinating. Whenever something new comes out on tour and I, I got in hand photos while I was at Sea Island of the new drivers, I always love to see what the or what the initial reaction is. We don't I mean I'm I'm just posting pictures right. on social media. That's it. It's been a while since I've seen Cobra get this much positive love wow. That's from a good. driver. It's it's all basically all black and gray. It's got a very clean look to it. And like people were just the general consensus was like, where do I send my check? Hmm. Do you want my credit card now? I'm ready to buy it. So there's there's a lot of positive feedback to this driver, and the main reason why Cobra brought out the the new dark speed was because Ricky Fowler used it in the next the Netflix Cup. I would love to give you a recap on the Netflix Cup, but I watched about one minute of it and had to turn it off. It was it was rough. was that was that a couple nights ago? Yeah. That is so funny. A buddy of mine was like, turn on Netflix now. And I said, why? And he never gave me an explanation. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what, what is yeah. so critical for me to watch Netflix? Live, live sports is like, that's kind of the next frontier for them. And so this was uh, oh, this wow. was like a proof of concept maybe that they could do it. It was it was rough. It was really rough. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was not, it was not great. But it, it felt like it went on for too long. And, and Where was it at? In Vegas, the win. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was. It looked. Well, I played there on Monday before my pedal. Oh wow! <laughs> more more golfer genes. Just, just when was the last I'm time just, you played this much golf? Oh, trust me, I my body is like so ripped up right I'm now. I'm sure. Oh yeah, you're you're, yeah. you're paying for it. Um, yeah, the course was in amazing condition. It's a good golf course. Yeah, I played yeah, it once. Yeah, it's um, beautiful. Yeah. So anyway, Cobra brings out the new driver. We don't know anything about it. Uh, the LS that Ricky Fowler used, LS low spin. It's not a big surprise there, but more so the cosmetics it seems like it's a major home run at least initially everybody loved the look of it and we'll get more details on that one but that's why cobra brings out dark speed because rick used it taylor made 
I kind of buried the lead here because this, this is this is the this is the most say. fascinating one, Gene, because yeah. you know, TaylorMade to me, similar to to Ping, they go by they go by a tried and true playbook. They might tease it before the end of the year, right? But they usually don't like they usually don't give it up until January. Yeah. And lo and behold, you know, here's Rory in uh, over in the desert with the new TaylorMade QI10, the LS model, just similar to the dark speed from Cobra, the LS for low spin. And he he ended up doing a, and I'm sure this was strategic, he did a video with the DP World Tour uh-huh. where he talked about it, and he was very coy. Like, he's like, he says, yeah, I tested it, and it's good, but I'm not quite sure what right. we're going to do. And oh, wow, look who it is. <laughs> It's RB. They let you up. I need to speak with security here because I saw them calling and I was like, they let anybody up. This this oh has been gosh. a breakdown and uh, this has been oh, a breach in man. security. Wow. So we're you talking. Sure. We're, right. so, so we're talking about, yeah, we're talking about QI10 right now. And just the fact that it felt very strategic, like TaylorMade typically has a playbook they went they deviated from the playbook and i my my take on it is that they decided to do this because they're tired of people leaking their drivers online so i mean why not why not own why not just like take ownership of that and and control the narrative and that's why i think they wanted to have rory you know he's already won the order of merit on the dp world tour you know there's nothing to play for he's already got the money in his bank account so why not let him give it, you know, take it for a spin? Tommy Fleetwood, I heard, is using the QI10 this week as well. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but what I mean, what's your take? I think I think it's a confidence thing. You know, we we hear it from people. We I get it in Instagram messages, like feedback on it all the time, and that is, you know, people are you know people hear about the faces, people hear about the and do I think it's a little overblown? Yes, but I think the fact that Rory last year Riviera struggled with trying to find a driver went back to an old one and you know had trouble with kind of going to the new one and obviously did not what about colin morikawa too and colin yeah colin's another sim guy like going back to that so to to have it available and have him say i'm putting it in play i want to play it i think that's that's what they're they're trying to convey that message and i mean rory seems to be hitting the crap out of it I saw a graphic. I don't know what day it was. He hit a drive on one of the holes, and it was just insane how much, how far, how far it was. And it's like, okay, well, you know, if that's the playbook they want to run with, that's good because it seems to be working. Yeah, that's an interesting point, and I would, I would actually tend to agree with that because, you know, you're right. Some of their bigger names have struggled to get into the into the carbon product, and. You know what's a, what's a good way to do that? Start to drum up interest now, before January, when when you're going to start to see it and get two of your biggest names to start using it. So yeah, I, well, it's 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 a bit of a gamble in that it's kind of like the R the adjustable uh you know the the R series product. They lucked out and they they got some players early that started winning, and as they started winning, it built that buzz towards the release. So you're gambling that they're going to win. If they don't win, ugh, that kind of steals the thunder when it comes. Because the interesting thing about all of these products that we discussed is we don't know what any of the marketing is. 
we don't know what any of the story is behind it. So there's a buzz. It's a double-edged sword because if they don't win, it makes that hill a lot you know, higher to climb. If they win, then it's an easy sell. So they're, they're rolling the dice a little bit because guess what? It's hard to win out there on tour, and but I, I have to guess in all of the cases, they feel confident enough that their products are going to succeed. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, this is, um, as, as anyone who's listening to this knows, I just came in, so I kind of missed whatever part of the first part of this conversation was. <laughs> you didn't miss much. We were talking about Marshall Folk and Gene's <laughs> recent golf boondoggle. And, <laughs> we were talking about my view. Yeah, and the view too. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, you know, I, I actually I saw one of your robots at one of the OEMs today, so I think it's funny. Um, we, were, we were actually I was talking to Gene about that before we hit record, but um, I think it's funny how they they were asking if Gene's robot could he could make a robot that could swing it like one fifty one sixty. Yeah, I mean that's that's there are only a couple of guys on the planet that can swing it that fast, but they actually have one in their in their stable in in Kyle Berkshire. Yeah, that's it's, it's pretty funny to hear that and and know that like how fast a human can swing a golf club. I just, I think my, I was hitting one, a club today. It's like a fairy wood and I was warming up and my ball, she was like 150. And I was thinking to myself, man, like that is, that's as fast as like someone's hitting a golf ball, which to me is just insane in general. Um, but the, this is the earliest. We're not even out of November yet. We are, we're mid November and we've seen a lot of stuff hit the conforming list very early. We talked about Ping. We talked about Cobra. We talked about TaylorMade. PXG, I think, is is the one. I don't want to call them a wild card because we saw their their irons did incredibly well. Drivers did well too, but the new the new Black Ops that hit the the conforming list. I had a chance to talk to Eric Cole, who's going to win Rookie of the Year out on the PGA Tour, and. He had recently added the driver to the bag, and he said he saw an increase of about two to three miles an hour more ball speed, which, you know, these guys are going to see more ball speed. But two to three is still pretty significant for, for these guys and seeing very similar forgiveness properties. And he's like, if you're getting more ball speed and it's still forgiving, I mean, why not? So I, I don't know. This, the PXG one, I think, of the drivers I've seen, yeah, sure, TaylorMade, I think, is, a, is an interesting one in, in the, the Max 10K that – that champ has. I mean, you could make a case for any of them, but yeah, the Black Ops is is a fascinating one. I, I can't wait to hear more on that. Well, there's Black Ops, and then there's Black Ops Tour. Yeah. And so, there's one, two, and three yeah. and tour. Yeah, yeah. there's and, and yeah. they're they're kind of good. What's other? What the other interesting point that I noticed that I was kind of interested is PXG is always marked to their own drummer. You know, they come up with a March or April release. Now it looks like they're kind of coming back to the more conventional, you know, trying to get in the mix when everybody is there in January. So I found that interesting as well. I mean, it's, there were, uh, I, RB, before you got here, Jay Wall and I were talking and I said, you know, before the pod, I was like, give me the dope. What's going on? And we're like, <laughs> what are we going to talk about? He's like, I don't know. And, and, and so we're, we're literally brainstorming on this as to what the strategic decisions were of each of these manufacturers to release these products at this point. And it's, it's just, as I said, what was fascinating to me, every time of year, it's the same thing for me. I look at it, I look at the name, and I'm like, I don't know what this means. I don't know what, you know, oh, there's a weight here. And I look at it, and it's like, 
you know, I'm just going to look at the test results and see, is it medium spin, low spin, draw bias? You know, what's, what's the situation and what are the performance characteristics? Um, and it was just shocking for me this week to all of a sudden see those releases. And first thought was, thank God I wasn't responsible for that. <laughs> you see the image and you get horrified. And then you're like, oh, that came from the USGA. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm safe. All right. I can keep going again and go back to my little bubble. So anyways, yeah, it'll be, uh, it's going to, it's going to be fun to, uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, you know, I think I told you the story about uh, when TaylorMade released the first adjustable weight clubs, how I had tested this, a similar club 10 years earlier. And I thought, I thought it was the end of golf club development as a whole. I was like, oh my God, we're recycling ideas and all this stuff. And it worked. And Little you know, did you know that was going to be the norm. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I tested it. And so they hired me. It was at the Grand Del Mar. I put my robot on one side and I'd hit balls on the toe. And then we put the weight in the heel or I'd hit balls in the center. And we put weight on the toe. They drift to the right. On the heel, they drift to the left. And Hale Irwin was on the other side. And it was funny because I found out afterwards Hale Irwin was really pissing him off because they put the weight in the heel and Hale would play the fade. And they put it in the toe. Hale would play the fade. He'd, he'd adjust every single time. And uh, and uh, Sean Toulon is up there like, oh, and you can see the ball flights doing the exact same thing. <laughs> but so. Hale, what are we paying for? <laughs> Hale just couldn't stop being Hale. But uh, so after I was done, we wrapped up the robot and there were all these giant screens and I saw the marketing for it. And when I saw the marketing, I was like, oh my God, I'm a believer. I'm like, vertical gear effect. What's that? Look at that. Oh, look at all of this. And it's like, it's like the marketing is where the magic comes in and, and you know, the sex appeal. And uh, it was funny. I was telling Mars who we were playing he, you know, he's, he's got a fast club head speed. And so he struggles with spin. And I said, Hey man, you might want to look at the ping G430 LST, you know, cause it, you tested know, it on my robot, it tested it on my robot <laughs> humble brag. And, uh, and, uh, and he goes, you know, he just goes, I can't play ping. I can't play ping. Can't, I, I can't look at ping, you know, can't look at, just doesn't like the look of it. And it's just, we well, also might be getting a little bit of Money from eh, maybe, maybe. Who knows? But it's just, it's so fascinating all of the different aspects that come into purchasing and using a golf club. And it's not just pure and performance. I actually, it was a very interesting conversation today with somebody, and they made a very good point. And I asked, because I, my thing is like, I always look for knowledge. Like, I, I want to hear from people and like hear outside of my bubble what people talk about within the industry. And I said, what are like, what is the conversation that you as a company have with big box retail, right? Because I don't deal in retail and I've always dealt in the custom side of it. So, you know, you order so many components and then you fit those components and then you sell them and then they go out and you reorder kind of thing. That's, they don't carry a lot of inventory. It's not like you're putting golf clubs on shelves and trying to have so many SKUs that are going to go out. And the conversation basically came down to the fact that it used to be very much almost written in stone that you would have a segment of the market every year, every five years, they're ready to replace their metal woods and their driver and the fairy woods, but the drivers being the big one. And then the fairy woods kind of seed into that. 
and irons are like the seven to 10 year cycle. So, you know, that's why when people ask, they're not trying to sell you the, the club if you bought last year's club. They really aren't. I mean, sure, they love it. Don't get me wrong. But 20. Those are, those are the sickos, by the way. Yeah. Drive the industry. They are the sickos. And, and those are probably 15, 20% that they will buy two to three drivers a year. And on from the, from the casual or the more casual fan or the person who just got into it, say 2020, that five year cycle doesn't come up for two more years. Yep. So. The way that they, the way that not 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 from a forecast perspective, but just the way that they communicate to golfers, they they have to ask themselves that question, right? What makes it different? And I thought it was really it's something I didn't think about because I don't work in retail. I am here to explain the story and explain it and help people understand how to choose and and where to choose and all of these different elements that go into the selecting of any golf club that you're going to buy. I'm not technically responsible for any sales. I'm just here to be a, an educator and communicator. So to have that come through and I was like, I never thought of that. Like to be like really frank about it. Like it is interesting to hear how people within that side of it are, are trying to communicate and with that in mind, put such an emphasis now on fitting and not just fitting from like which seven iron goes the furthest. Cause we're trying to win a battle in, in the launch monitor or in the hitting bay. When someone's walking off the street, it's like, no, we are, trying to teach and communicate what is the best way to fit a golf club and talk more about land angle for seven irons and playable trajectories and all of these things, which I still don't think was necessarily that talked about even five years. I mean, it was talked about in custom fitting environment, but I think you still see consumers walk into a big box store, got five irons in their category, go talk to sales associate or sales associate comes and talks to them, grab some demo irons and they go, this one went the furthest. And they're going to buy, and that's what happens. But it feels like the, the educational process of this is really being, like, they're stepping up their game. We know that TrueSpec does it. I know Chris isn't here. TrueSpec does so much with custom fitting, and there's other out retailers out there that do that same thing. But to hear it coming from the people who are buying tens of millions of dollars of inventory to go in shelves on big box stores is a fascinating element that it goes to show that, you know, the idea of fitting is going to continue to dominate the conversation because that's where the OEMs know that they will stand out for certain players with certain swing types, which is what we see on the robot. Yeah. It, I mean, we even saw it today. We RB and I were at Cobra. We can't give anything away. I am genuinely curious what you thought of the gear, but I don't, I don't that's, know. That's for dinner afterwards when we're drinking. <laughs> yeah. So that is true. That is true. Um, I, I do want to point after out, dark, yeah. After, oh man, we've we've talked we've talked about what a fully equipped after dark it looked like. We'd probably get canned after after one episode. Um, yeah, so you you had a chance to actually test the gear, the new stuff, the new new from Cobra. Yep, was it good? It was very good. Yeah, I'm, I'll be very upfront about that. You know, it's pictures are on the USJ list. There's some stuff that I tested. Oh, we mentioned it's called Dark Speed. We, yeah. we, we mentioned it. It's out there. I, I think, um, I mean it. I, I think they've got some really cool stuff going. Some really cool. And you can kind of tell that it's on the list there. Um, but they've got they've got one head that I think people are going to be very interested in that cooks. I'll tell you that. Thing cooks for a very specific target golfer. Um, so if you got speed, I think there's, there's something out there that – is which I hit it on the golf I hit it on the golf course today, and I was like, man, this thing's pretty cool. And to be fair, I'm I'm probably 
not fast enough for it necessarily. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, I think you could tweak. Of course, you could tweak it and make anything work. Yeah. Uh, we tweaked it a couple times, and I just saw the, a very similar ball flight, which I like to see. But I thought, man, like this, this is going to be this is going to fit a target market extremely well. I think I think that group of golfers, which is a dedicated group of golfers, are really going to like this this one head. Yeah. Well, won't be very long until we do we have more details on that, but. I think Cobra needs to come out with a good driver because they want me to stop talking about uh, LTDX. Because <laughs> I, I talk about, I mean, I even told To today, Tom Olsovsky, who's the the VP of R and D for Cobra. I said it's sort of like the gold standard where anytime Gene tests anything on the robot, I'm like, well, how how does it com- how does it compare to LTDX? <laughs> uh, so so yeah, so RB and I were at Cobra. Uh, he got a chance. How was the Costa? Was it in good shape? Yeah, very unusual weather yesterday. Yeah, was, uh, it, was it pretty wet? We got there was a lot of rain up there. Um, how did how did it hold up? Was it was it soggy? A few spots were a little wet, but yeah. like overall, it was good. It was in a nice shape. Okay. Uh, greens are pretty quick. Yeah, um, they they're doing uh, a Gill Hands renovation because they're holding the NCAA's there for three Gills? or four years. Like renovating that every man's golf everywhere. Course, it feels like. And I guess they, I saw that the driving range, they're pushing it because of the NCAAs, and obviously a lot of those players have a lot of speed. They're actually pushing the driving range back into like an older parking lot and completely redoing it with a short game area and more netting. So it looks, I don't know what it looked like before, but if anyone's ever seen the pictures of Riviera where the range has those big nets, so they have that in kind of like the one corner. Um, and so they're, they're, they're are working on it. It's just dirt right now, but it got it all mapped out. It's pretty cool to see. I like seeing that, that stuff from the ground up because you realize – and Tom said this because we when we were playing golf because he was he was talking about someone else that he was, um, who worked in course design that he knew. So the crazy thing is like, courses are mapped out on CAD essentially, and they get out and these coordinates go out into the ground and then they kind of look at it and then they adjust and it's it's actually a fascinating process. And I said I never really thought about that, but it is. It does like they they model everything and they come out and they stick these things in the ground and they laser off all the little pinpoint places and it. It's it's a it's a neat process to 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 see it even on a range because I didn't see the other side of the course or the other course that was getting worked on. It's pretty neat. Like I just I you know I like the insides of like what goes on with the way things are made. And like I said, people ask me all the time like, oh do you do you watch like golf do you watch like golf videos on like YouTube? And I'm like, I watch a couple like, but I don't like all the matches between people. Like it's not something that I really watch. But I'll dive into like what goes into making like an F1 engine or what goes into making a watch or what goes into making something, right? I mean, heck, I've watched how Pop-Tarts are made on like the internet because I'm curious. And it's, it's interesting to see what goes into it, right? So to see the golf course in action, those people pushing stuff out and all these little flags marking, it's like, that's how the, that's how it's made. Well, what's really wild about that is all of the classic golf courses in this world, I mean, our, you know, our top 20 list, they were made by mules pulling plows. I mean, <laughs> but it goes back and golf clubs were the same way. There was artistry to everything. And so while we have created science, which is amazing in technology, what they had back then was a lot more time than we do now. And, 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 but they would sit and look and it's just fascinating the process. And it was the same thing with the golf club. You would look at it from an artistic standpoint, and then you there were no robots. You would just go hit it, and 
and you would just hit it and then you would shape it until it performed correctly. And it's just, it's fascinating though, you know, having had a chance to play Pebble and Spyglass, two older golf courses that, you know, they were beasts of burdens that were, uh, that were shaping those golf courses, not, you know, modern equipment. Now, granted, they've been renovated, but still the bones of those courses were made by someone's just eye visually looking and going, yes, this works here. One of my, actually, one of my favorite things I saw at Coburn, and I can talk about this because it's probably, well, it's their 50th anniversary. So this thing's probably 40 something years old. Was a like a persimmon wood that just had was a two wood and Dude, I don't I don't that know was fun I think well no it wouldn't be well eighty six yeah Norman was eighty six so yeah probably around the same time um, it there was a couple that had like the little snake emblem on it and you could tell it like, their archives and, at, yeah it was it was it was like this big shelf uh, unit and uh, it was pretty cool to see and you saw some like Norman stuff that was there from like his days with the company and everything and. I took some pictures. I can post them. I'll post them if you if, if you just hear it or not. You'll go to my Instagram page. It'll be there. Um, it's cool. I like. I love seeing that stuff because like there's to your point, Gene. Like there's today they're talking about quality control from product to product to product going through the processes, and at that time it was like, does this block of wood look good? Because that one over there doesn't look as good. Yeah, that one looks good. Okay, this one looks good. Okay, we'll take these five blocks of wood. It's like <laughs> they don't make it like that anymore. It's really interesting to see. Um, speaking of renovations, I had a chance to, and RBO will get a chance to check it out tomorrow. Uh, I saw TPI. I got to tell you, if there was a place on earth where I'd like to have a casita to visit on a, on a very frequent basis, it's going to be TPI. It, I mean, you've been out there before, RB. It's awesome. Tons of green space. You can go test and and do all kinds of other fun stuff. They're now going to have a short course. Bob and, and Aaron, Bob Vokey and Aaron Dill are going to have an area in on the backside of the range. Um, you can probably guess why I was there. I doing, can imagine. Doing some, doing some testing. And uh, a, a certain set of wedges in my bag that everybody's made fun of me that I still have them, still play SM7s. I, I will, like, not to give too much away, but I'm switching. <laughs> I can't believe it. Like, I've, I've totally passed on previous versions, but the, the, what's coming out is it's really good. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was fun. Had a chance to check it out. It's still very much a, a, project under construction there's a lot of dirt being moved and they were kind of pointing out where things were but yeah tpi is looking, looking pretty nice i've been on the back side of the range before and they've got a they've got a nice little short game area back there and you can work on your wedge game and hit full shots and then go over to the green and work on all kinds of different i mean they have all kinds of different shots it's it is definitely a golfer's paradise and it's gonna look even better when it's done yeah, I think it's uh, having been there and having seen pictures from our, our club tester who, who's been there. Uh, it's it's it is it's a it's a very great spot and and to credit like the people that are there now and that take care of it and like have invested the money in like the renovations that have, are taking place. Um, but someone there, like someone who works there, one of their guys said to me, he's like, you know, they had great insight to purchase this big like I don't know how many acre plot of land in Oceanside, so many many years like thirty something years ago. At the time, yeah. yeah. So, oh my goodness, can't even imagine what that land's worth now. 
Yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting to like have them like talk about like you know they had the foresight to do that at the time. And the funny thing is, and and like like Taylor made the kingdom and the ECPC at Callaway, like they're still both in great spots, and they are in like and speaking of Gil Hans, like he did the giant putting green that's at ECPC. Like it was pretty sick when you're out there. Like I, we were we were messing around with the the new AI ones. We can, I can talk about that uh, out on the putting green, and it's cool to, like be able to like. Have this, it's just this massive, massive green, and but, but again, like Tyler just has more space because of where they are. And again, the cool thing is, like Callaway and TaylorMade, they're just right across from the headquarters. Yep. Like the, people can leave the office and walk straight across the road and and go check out these places. Or Callaway's is like you know a block down the street. So to think of these these facilities as places to test and places to to have their pros come, it is it is, it is pretty cool. Uh, but from a, just from a pure size perspective, like TPI is just bigger. Oh, it's, it's twice the size. Yeah, yeah it's, it is massive. All right, I'm starving, guys. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up this uh, one day late edition of Fully Equipped. No Fully Equipped hotline this week because Coach is not around, so we, we can't play those uh, voicemails. But – Make sure you give us a ring and leave us a voicemail. We've been getting some really good ones. I, I got to say, I wasn't really quite sure what fully the fully equipped hotline was going to look like when we started it, but there's been a lot of thoughtful questions, uh, funny questions, some in between. So keep leaving us voicemails. We do have an interview this week. I had an opportunity to chat with Sam Burns at Odyssey's event up in Frisco about his switch to the new AI1 putter. He's using the number seven model. It's an interesting change for Sam because he had been using the same putter for 12 years, going all the way back to when he was in college. And this was a really big change for him. And oh, by the way, he changed putters the week of the Tour Championship. So we get into the why behind that. What was it about AI1 that made him switch? And a few other things on putting, maybe a putting tip from Sam Burns. Enjoy the interview. All right, here with Sam Burns. Sam, what's up, man? How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. So... I heard a very funny story uh -oh. that you that you were basically were you the first PGA Tour pro to put AI one in the bag? I think so. Yeah. And th that is a big deal because you're a guy who doesn't like to switch. Yeah. And oh, by the way, you did it the week of the Tour Championship. Yep. What what the heck were you thinking? Yeah, it's funny. Um, so I spent a lot of time in the truck uh, a couple weeks before that, um, just kind of looking at some putter stuff. Didn't have a lot of confidence with my current putter. I've been putting well, but just kind of had a couple weeks where it was just like, ball wasn't going in the hole. Um, so the guys in there are like, well, we want to show you this new putter we have. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll take a look at it. Usually, you know, I've looked at a lot of putters. I'm like, ah, I don't really like it. So I tried a couple times in the truck and I was like, I like this. Like, it looks really good. Feels nice. Uh, let's go out on the putting green and just see what happens. So I we went out there and I started hitting some, you know, short putts, hit some longer putts. Um, I don't know. It was just something about it, the consistency of how it was rolling. Uh, it seemed like, you know, even the ones I missed hit were still rolling uh, really similar to the ones that I hit in the middle. So that was nice to see. And, um, you know, maybe the 30 or 45 minutes I spent on the putting green, I started to gain some confidence. and. Ended up asking, was like, hey, can I use this putter? Like, is this out yet? And they're like, Do they think you were just like pulling yeah, the like, chain? <laughs> yeah, if you want. I was like, All right, well, let's do it. Um, ended up putting really well and uh, I've had it in the bag ever since. So, you are a guy who uses a number seven. Yep. White hot. 
I know feel is incredibly important to tour pros, particularly yep. you, a guy who never switches. Yeah. What was it about that AI1 insert that made you feel like, hey, this is something that I could use and yeah. that could be better than mm -hmm. my white hot? I think um, just the initial look of it, it was pretty much my exact putter of just a little bit cleaner look. Um, just the lines were a little bit cleaner. And so I really, I, I liked the look of it a lot. Um, and that's a kind of a big thing for me. And then, you know, that whatever, 45 minutes I spent on the putting green um, in Atlanta, I was just like, just could feel the confidence coming back and putter felt really good in my hands. And I was like, you know, this doesn't happen very often with a new putter for me. Um, so let's give it a shot. Uh, I know the amateurs that listen to our podcast are always looking to glean something from pros. You guys are incredible when it comes to speed control. If you yeah. could like give an amateur a drill to do just to help with speed control, which is what's one the easy one that they could use that could help their game? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times what I see um, with amateurs and you know speed is just really inconsistent. They either hit it really too hard or then they'll hit it way too soft. Um, so I think for me it's kind of you know if you have you know even 10 minutes um, before you go play, just take you know three balls and start at 10 feet, put those three balls and try to get them within you know, to the hole and within two feet pass. And then once you do that, move back, you know, five feet to 15 feet and then go to 20 feet. Then you get the feel of the greens, uh, the speed of the greens for that day. But you're also working on the consistency of the same stroke over and over um, at different uh, distances. So I would say that that'd be a good place to start for speed control. Are you going to the LSU Bama game? I'm not, uh, not this year. I, uh, a little are, bit of a side yeah, there. I know you probably wish you were going to be there. I, I do. We're uh, we're going to go to Nashville, um, spend some time with our family, and watch it there. So uh, it, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome, Sam. Thanks for time. Thanks. Man. Appreciate it. All right, and that'll do it for I don't even know what episode of Fully Equipped <laughs> this is. So that'll do it for Fully Equipped. As always, if you want more gear goodness, check us out on social channels. We are at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter and at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. Thanks as all for listening. We'll be back next week, not with beers or Jeans View. Wait, are we back next week? It's Thanksgiving. Ooh. Oh, yeah. well. It's not Thanksgiving for our <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll be back next week. You'll just have to check uh, whatever, whether you Spotify or Apple or whatever and see if uh, we have an episode. But we do appreciate you listening and we'll see you next week or the week after. <laughs> yeah.